All right. Here we are. Oh, boy. I set my notes down on the front, and I went and looked for them for 10 minutes. So that's what I do to get ready. Lots of stuff going on. So good morning. Welcome. Anybody here for the first time? Awesome. Thanks for checking us out. We won't embarrass you, but thanks for being here. I have coffee in the back. If afterwards, or if, you need a, if you're falling asleep while I'm speaking, please go back and get a cup of coffee and keep yourself awake. Um, and uh, we are a, a community of people that are spiritual seekers. We're all on our path. We're not here about tribes or groups. We're here about revealing and awakening to the truth of who and what each and every one of us is. And so... Um, it's, a, it's an amazing, remarkable community. Uh, I'll talk about that in a bit. But I want to just invite you. So what we do to begin, and Daniel made sure that I s- sound this gong really well today because it syncs up our filming. And am I, this is good? A good spot for me? Okay, good. Okay. So here we go. And so what we're going to here we go about, first time here, don't know, <laughs> might be helpful. We're going to drop into 30 seconds of silence. I'm going to share a chant with you in this very room, if you, some, many know it here. And then we'll go into what we call an affirmative prayer uh, to help ground ourselves because we're already in that, that spaciousness. The meditation helps ground us in that. So we continue to build that energy and create this container of unconditional love, create the quantum field, a spiritual coherence. And so that there's an opportunity when we're in that space and we're sharing that energy together for us to perhaps have an awareness, a shift, a change within us, a transformation, because we're here about transforming lives. So let's begin with our silence, move into our song, and then our prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So I invite you to allow my words to be your words in this moment. And if they're not a good fit for you, just let them wash over you. Don't let it become a distraction or something that you need to edit in any way, shape, or form. They are my words affirming the truth as it is being revealed to me as I speak. And so what I know in this moment is I affirm the oneness of life, the one activity, the one perfect life. And that perfect life 
resources all of us, the source of all. That perfect life in the I am, speaking for each person here, is my life. I claim it in this moment. And in the claiming, in the declaration and speaking my word, I know that something, as I make myself available, is unfolding and happening within me. And so I know that this divine presence is moving and guiding, making clear my next most impactful, creative, and artistic expression. And I choose this. I choose this consciously in this moment. And then I know that the choosing mind cannot take me there. So I beautifully and wonderfully set it down and allow myself to surrender into the grace and the joy and the beauty that is always available to us. So in a world that is so busy and so clever, I know that that is a beautiful gift, but it is not all of it. And so let us take this time today to welcome Dr. Holmes, our founder would say, court the presence and practice the principle. And so let's court the presence together as an expectant beloved coming up the front walk of our consciousness. For this, I give thanks. I give thanks knowing that our gathering today is already a successful experience for each one in the mind of God. And I say yes to that. I welcome that. And I willingly bring the best of myself to this moment. And thank you for being your best in this moment as well. For this, I give thanks. And together we say, and so it is. Well, thanks. I think we can just go home now. That was really good. Great song, prayer. So we have been doing uh, um, a couple of new, new programs this year, which is really exciting and, and uh, I think uh, re- uh, very impactful. It certainly has helped me uh, open up to new possibilities. But we've been doing this cue process, and so those of you, one of, one of the things I want to say is we had, I don't know how many on the debrief yesterday. There were seven, six or seven of us in the solarium here because we were at the memorial service and we didn't have time to get home. So we, we rushed from that to be at the debrief. <coughs> 31 and then we had so we had almost 40 people because there were six more of us that we only showed up as one but there were six of us together so but what I want to say about this is and and I'm going to talk about it today within the context of the the material that I've been guided to is that the coup process is really an opportunity to look at the unknown parts of ourselves and 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 our our movement our spirituality requires wholeness and so when we're using spiritual practice to pray over things as, as spiritual bypass it doesn't help anyone and you know we're at a point in our lives uh, and, and on this planet in our evolution, uh, what keeps me in the game uh, and continues to, to call me forward is things that happen like our, the uh, school shooting in Florida. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit today because we're, we're not taking good care of our children. Bill, this is ringing a little bit up here. Is it anything we can do with that? Or is it just my ears that are ringing? Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, but we're failing our children, and we're all part of this, and I want to talk about that because we are all interconnected, as as the the young lady sang this morning. And so there's Dr. Ernest Holmes, our founder, an amazing guy, and I feel so blessed to have found his teachings early in my life, and and that had brought me here to to spend this time with you. Uh, Remarkable man, remarkable, remarkable, amazing man. And today, at 10 a.m. today, which is what we're, we're about, is what is spirituality, which is inspired by his work in living the science of mind. And then at 11.30, we're going to talk about ourselves and relationship, which is based on the partnering book of Hal and Sidra Stone. 
So the three things that I wanted to discuss with you today around this idea of, of uh, what is spirituality are the, art, the artist metaphor, number two, it's an experience, and number three, taking offense the right way. Has anybody here ever been offended? We're going to talk about that. I have a brilliant article from Dr. Dr. Lloyd Strom, who's one of my teachers. He developed, he took Dr. Ernest Holmes' uh, material and retired from his work as an engineer in uh, Marin County in Southern California, or in, in uh, near San Francisco, actually, and has been working the principles. They are having fun down there. I can hear the kids. Or they're not having fun down there, one or the other. <laughs> so the artist metaphor. The artist metaphor. The artist feels beauty, senses its presence, and to a degree communes with it. And so Holmes draws this artist metaphor because it's the idea around this idea of spirituality. You know, technique does not make the great artist, but we've got to have technique. But, and I've said to people, you know, people ask me all the time about affirmative prayer. And we've got some exciting stuff happening around affirmative prayer for our community. And, and, it, and for me, affirmative prayer is an art form. But it didn't start as an art form. I, had to, I have spent years and years and years and years practicing. And, and in the practicing, all of a sudden, some of the performance anxiety falls away. And then all of a sudden, you're comfortable because the prayer, you and the prayer become one. And so Holmes draws this beautiful metaphor. He says, spirituality is a rather elusive thing. I cannot think of a better illustration to use than to compare it with the idea of beauty, which a great artist must entertain if he is to create a worthwhile object of art. We do not say that such a one has, has great beauty, but that he or she has great appreciation for beauty. And that's where art starts, that we have a great appreciation for beauty. And all of us are artists in one capacity or another. We do not say that one has a great beauty, he has a great appreciation for beauty. We know that the, the artist feels beauty, senses its presence, and to a degree communes with it in drawing into his own soul that he may outbreath it through his performance. So it becomes very, very mysterious in a way. But it's an activity that, that, we can, we can, that takes form because we are all awe-inspired by beauty, are we not? Yeah. But I mean, this is the metaphor about spirituality. He's talk. It's not about say this group of prayers and, and do these certain practices and make it all about tasking. It's about those things can help take us there, but they, they are not the destination. And to live in that mystery and let that mystery expand for you. Perfect technique, Holmes says, does not result in great art. We speak of the soul of an artist, do we not? I mean, when you go into a great museum and you see this art, it's the soul of the artist that captures us. There's a communication there. There's a beauty and a joy. And when I, when I, when I, when I talk about this with you, see, and I, I, for me, I feel, that, I feel that way many times when we, there's this resonance that goes on between us, and it's our souls communicating. But that is not an intellectual process. Now, the intellect's a beautiful, wonderful thing. I'm so happy I can read. I'm so happy that I had teachers that taught me to read. And yet... Simply reading the words doesn't get us there. The, re, the, the, the words are, are clues along the way, but then we've got to open to the mystery. I'm so proud of, as I mentioned, the Q process of so many people participating because what we're doing there is we're clearing the pathway of opportunity for the very thing that Holmes is talking about, the artist. 
Because without that, we're triggered and triggered and triggered and triggered and, and we're, so, we're so heavy. Our bucket becomes so spiritually full that nothing new can enter into us because we are either defending ourselves or judging someone or, and all the activities that are so, so popular on this planet right now. And unless we, do our, we, we find effective strategies to guide us along the way to open to the mystery of the artist to become a spiritual artist because a spiritual artist is a spiritual activist. And we look out at the world and we see these things happening. See, these school shootings, there's three phases of this. There's frustration. And so when we do our cue process, we're in frustration, which is a really good thing. It's a really good thing to be frustrated. So you may think I'm crazy, and if you do, that's okay, because I'm, I've been accused of that many times. Frustration, and then we go to resignation. So frustration is, what do we do about this? This is, this is not right. This is not right. I can't imagine these parents. I want to organize right now. I'm, I haven't put it down yet. My frustration has taken me. I want to get all the parents I can. I want to gather all the resources I can. I want to put everybody on a school bus and drive to Washington, D.C. and have hundreds of thousands of parents and children stand before that White House and stand before that legislation building and say, this has to stop. These, par- these teachers need to walk out of those schools and say, until we can, we can have some meaningful re- legislation, we, we ain't teaching anymore because we're all in danger. Something's got to happen like that. It's got to be grassroots. Because the people that are sitting on their hands are wrong. They're great, great, wonderful people. I'm not saying they aren't spiritual and they aren't perfect, but their decisions around this are wrong. And so it's an opportunity for us to look at this and say, how can I participate in that? That's where my frustration takes me. If I go to resignation, if I go to resignation, then I look at the paper and I look out and I go, oh, just another school shooting. I got to get down to Tim Hortons because they're having to roll up the lid uh, thing. Oh, and I got yeah, to get down to Dutch's Bakery and get a <sighs> Madeline or two. I mean, that's what resignation does. None of my business, not my concern. And then you go to cynicism. If you, you roll right off of frustration to resignation to cynicism. And cynicism is, well, I guess I better go buy a gun. It's scary out there. So I'm going to join everybody in this myth that is fearful out there, that life's fearful. And there's danger out in the world. So I'm just saying, when we can catch ourselves at frustration, we're much healthier. And we have much more impact because then we can take our frustration and do something meaningful. Not sit on our hands. Not judge and project. Not get scared. Because I get scared and I judge, but I have to pull myself back. Part of my problem, pull myself, what can I do? And I'm still working on that, and it's still working on me, but I get to share this with you. Right now, I get to share this. I'll bring in my best to this. That's, this is all I got. This is it. So we talk about the artist. The artist is a communion with the invisible harmony, the supreme being, the mind, the heart of God, or the creative essence. It's a communion, a communion. Isn't that beautiful when we commune? I just look at him. I'm communing with Lil over there right now, and Daniel. Communion, it's connection. It's not words. It's like seeing one another in the eyes, and he's starting to, oh, I thought you were tearing up. You just have a cough, never mind. I was touched, maybe not so much for you. But anyway, so then we move into this idea of the experience. Holmes says, like the heat in fire, the colors of a prison, the invisible power flowing through a dynamo. Yes, all those metaphors, all those artist metaphors that he's bringing to this. 
He says spirituality is a constant conscious attempt to feel the presence of God in everything and everybody. Is that what you do? Is that your life? Huh? It doesn't, it's not bad if you're not doing it, but that's our opportunity. How are we going to move into enlightenment if we're not about this making this a priority? It's got to be a priority. But there's so many meaningful and, and rightful distractions in the world. And the world will tell you that's, there's no produ- productivity uh, there. There's no, there's no juice there. There's no value there. And all the value's there. And it doesn't mean we sit around and just bask in that either. We take that out in the world. We take that to wherever we are. And then we become spiritual activists. So, my third point today, and I think it's a very important point, because what I love about the Q, what we're doing in this community is transformative, and I'm committed to it. And I know, looking at that, that, that debrief yesterday, that we have the, the juice and the commitment to give birth to this. And this is exciting. Because what we do is we create the container of possibility that not any of us even know right now. See, it isn't, about, it isn't about defining a mission. Our mission right now we're working with, we're trying it out as transforming lives, which is awesome because it's open-ended. But what happens when we create the capacity for newness and we've put down enough of the, the pettiness and the offenses so that something beautiful can reveal itself. See, it's partnering and saying, what wants to happen here? by means of me and you. How can we do this together? What can we give birth to? What can we give birth to? What is longing to be given birth and are we the place where that can happen? Because what the infinite will do is it'll find a place for that to be revealed. And if there's no capacity for that to be revealed in this earthly realm, it will simply withhold it because there's no place for it to plant. Make sense? Am I making sense here? So uh, thank you for being with me on this. So I'm going to share something with you today. And you may take offense with this. But here's the deal, guys. You know, it's been pointed out to me at times that I have said things from the platform that people have been offended by. And I don't think I've ever named a name. But there have been things that have happened in my journey of ministry that have been really, really troubling and frustrating and, 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 and confusing. My journey, I've been at this 20 years now. And so I'm going to talk about my healing with this today. And I'm going to tell you something, because people say, well, where'd so-and-so go? Well, you know, you talked about something on a Sunday, and they're gone now. And, I, and, and my answer to that, because I used to feel like I'd done something bad. And now I get to say, hallelujah, I finally pushed somebody's buttons. I finally said something meaningful and impactful, because it takes courage. It takes courage. I have a wonderful book right now by... I can't use the title with you because he uses a bad word in the title, but it's by Mark Manson. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... starts with an F and it ends with a K and it's not fire truck, okay? <laughs> and what he says in this book, and I love this book. I can't use it for a book of the month because we're going to have to get tape and put... <laughs> don't give a darn or a flip or whatever because I don't want to offend you. <laughs> So just bear with me. There are only a few minutes left. You can't be important and life-changing and a life-changing presence for some people without being a joke and an embarrassment to others. Hallelujah, huh? You just can't because there's no such thing as a lack of adversity. Have you noticed that in life? There's no such thing as a lack of adversity. There's somebody always doing something that triggers us. It doesn't exist. The old saying goes that no matter where you go, there you are. Well, the same is true for adversity and failure. No matter where you go, there's a 500-pound load of cow manure. He doesn't say cow manure. Waiting for you. 
and that's perfectly fine. The point is to get away from the point isn't to get away from the cow manure. The point is to find that cow manure that you enjoy dealing with. I would agree. Life is full of failure. So I, I mean, I'm finishing out an interview. I got an interview someone asked me to do, and they said, "What? What? You know, what would you say are your your greatest uh, uh, accomplishments?" And I said, "And I said I've learned far more from my failures than I've learned from any accomplishment. I just have. You know, the the the, the offenses that people take." It's like, come on, you guys. See, what I want to have is a resilient enough community. So if I get up here, see, I want to be in my process. And, if, and so I'm, I'm here. So the other choice is I simply get up, and all I do is read the science of my textbook from you. That, cool, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like that. And then, and, then, and then we don't have to look at any of this stuff. And there's no triggers going on. And there's no offense going on. And I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the real conversation. And so this beautiful article by Doc, uh, Reverend Lloyd Strong, who's devoted the last 30 years of the science of mind, and his, it's titled, Take Offense the Right Way. Take Offense the Right Way. And I've got a quote up here from uh, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, Alice in Wonderland author. Amazing guy. Human beings have a nasty little habit of trying to turn their desires into rights. I desire to be happy all the time. Oh, and Lil looked at me the other day. Sorry, Lil, I mean, I'm just using you as an example. This didn't really happen. I love Lil. And support Lil. But if it did happen, I'd talk about it anyway, Lil, so there we go. But Lil looked at me in a way that I took offense with. And I have every right to be happy all the time, in every way, shape, and form. It's a fantasy. It's a trap we fall into as human beings that we feel we have a right. My desire is not a desire, it's a right. I think this is what happens when we have... School shootings. Someone buys into the idea, and I know there's, mental, there, there's something out of balance there, but someone feels so offended. They don't go to frustration and, and resignation. They go right to cynicism, and then everybody's the enemy, and everybody needs to be destroyed, literally. We've got to stop this. We've got to stop this, and we've got to have the hard conversations, and we've got to develop the resiliency to stay the course and if we get offended, and if I say something up here you don't like, come and tell me. Come and tell me. Don't disappear and say, oh, you know, he talked about, he talked about this. So what if I did? Just get a tape recorder of Ernest Holmes up here talking and play that. See how many folks show up for that wing ding. Because part of it is the energy. Part of it is gathering together. And, and, I, I, and I, you know, the more I do this work and I dive into it, I realize that I have given so much energy to stuff that takes us nowhere, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, the pettiness and the, oh, so, so somebody's upset. When they get upset, say, do a cue sheet. We finally have, a, we have, finally have something, say, do a cue sheet. This is a gift to you. And doctor, now this was written years ago. I'm going to read this to you. Notice how this lines up with the cue process. So take offense the right way. Offense sometimes it causes a person to get angry, hurt, or to suffer. The great Christian author C.S. Lewis once remarked, human beings have a nasty little habit of trying to turn their desires into rights. This tendency becomes increasingly apparent in our modern culture where a growing number of people seem to believe that they have a right not to be offended by anyone or anything. 
Although such a condition might be desirable, it most certainly not a right and has never been bestowed upon by man or God. Amen. Where did we get this idea? What these individuals do not understand is the only place where they will never be offended. Never be offended. Now, this is not a geography, what I'm going to say right next. The only place it will never be defended is the kingdom, is in the kingdom of heaven, which is a state of being. Tragically, they seem to think that we can bring heaven to earth by controlling or suppressing everyone and everything that offends us. Never in the history of the world has this approach ever worked, nor will it ever. Yet Jesus told us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's a state of consciousness. It's a state of awareness. Which means that it is here and now before us, simply awaiting our awareness of it, our welcome. Practice the principle and court the presence. Dr. Ernest Holmes. If it is true, then there must be a way to create a world. Where we'll, if this is true, there must be a way to create a world where we will never be offended. Perhaps the secret lies in a statement of ancient wisdom which reveals that you cannot offend an enlightened being. You cannot offend an enlightened being. You ever see the Dalai Lama? I think it's hard to offend him. I know that he said, sometimes I forgot. I almost started hating the Chinese. That is a tough job. Because the Chinese came in there and murdered and destroyed and ravaged Tibet. You cannot offend an enlightened being. Hallelujah, Reverend Lloyd. We must first realize that an enlightened state is simply, simply an awareness of oneness. First step of our, our prayer treatment is recognition. The second is unification. There's one life. That life is perfect. That life is spirit. That life is God. That life is my life now. I have said that, said that, said that thousands of times in the last 25 years. And I'm still working on it. But every day it, gets, it, it shifts. Then we must remember that love begins with forgiveness. Love begins with forgiveness and ends with gratitude. Love begins with forgiveness and ends with gratitude. I'm making t-shirts up and I'm going to be selling them next week. I'll the door. Which is a grateful state of being. Are you grateful right now for something? For getting me all triggered like this and on this rant? Huh? Because it's a, it's a rant of love, I'm telling you. It might be my last one, but by God, I'm going down in flames. Because <laughs> I got to tell you something. I don't want to be part of a community where I can't be real. You read Dr. Ernest Holmes, read some of his stuff, not Science of Mind textbook. Every week he was getting up and saying, you know, I was talking to so-and-so this week, and they're an alcoholic, and we were talking about drinking too much. I'm sure that guy was offended if he was in the audience. Didn't keep Dr. Holmes from coming back next week, and you know, I was talking to so-and-so this week, and whatever. He used it all the time, because he knew. He, see, he saw his audience as resilient capable, eternal, powerful. Otherwise, we just play nice with one another and pretend. And we're at a point in our history we've got to stop pretending and show up real and show up honest and do our best. And if we make a mistake, we make amends. But by God, let's allow one another the spaciousness to make an error. It's not the theme of our lives unless we make it that way and have the honest conversations. And it takes resilience. I want to be in a resilient community. I want to be in a healthy community. I want to be in a community that is on fire with purpose. So when we see stuff out in the world, we had a lady come to me last week, says, I want to start a teen drop-in center here because of the bullying. I said, you go, girl. Put together a game plan. 
let's bring in, it's sits open, we need one day a week to come in. So let's do it. We got all these great youth people, these teachers. We teach them life skills. We can probably tap into some, some grant money from the government because we're not trying to convert them. We're just trying to empower them. Let's do something. My God. Because these kids are out in the world and they think they're not enough. You know, I, I heard an interview on the radio today, and I heard a piece of it this week. It was one of the survivors of Columbine. Remember the shooting in Columbine? It was the start of this. And this young man said that, you know, I was one of the survivors. And then there were a number. There was like 17 of them that survived. And he said, of those 17, I think it was like the majority of them had committed suicide. So they didn't get shot, but the trauma of it, the post-traumatic stress disorder... The fear of that experience traumatized them to the point where they're... So, it just broke my heart. So, when we, so the reason I share this with you, because I love you. I want the best for you. I want you to thrive and be a force for good on this planet. And so you have the resilience. So when someone throws you a load of horse manure, you look at it and say, no, nah, that's not my load. I'm going over here. I want this one. Because you get to choose. So the only way that we'll ever be able to live in a world where we're not offended is to learn how to forgive all of us who offend us. Therefore, whenever we're offended... We are being provided with an opportunity to learn how to forgive more readily and more fully. Consequently, the fastest way to become enlightened, and I agree with Reverend Lloyd, or I wouldn't be sharing this with him, the fastest way to become enlightened is to allow ourselves to be offended by everyone and then consistently forgive them until they're no longer offended by anyone. Make sense? So when you're getting offended, an opportunity for forgiveness. Wow, that's for me. My teacher told me this years ago. I'd go in and share stuff with her to see if I could push her button, trigger her. And she'd say, Patrick Cameron, now I have to go home and do my forgiveness work. She knew. They taught me to shut up, too, and talk about something else. Not gossip and third party and sandbag. Furthermore, we must always remember that humility, this is a popular topic in the world, humility is a constant state of forgiveness and that God gives grace to the humble. That's in the Gospel of Peter. The key to this understanding is contained in the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus said this. He said, as you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father might forgive you. See, forgiveness becomes a state of grace, where then all of a sudden life can move through you. But as long as we stand in resentment, we cannot effectively partner with spirit. And so when, when, when I get triggered, I've been doing this for years from Reverend Catherine. I go home, you, I, I talk with some of you guys. I, I, you know, I go home and do my forgiveness work. I got to wash this out. I got to wash it out. I got to wash it out. This is my opportunity. I didn't realize how powerful it was. I pulled this article up this week. going, holy buckets. I need, more, I need more offense in my life. This is how we dispel our own sin, which is the bad karma we've created by our past actions. It's also why Jesus told us that the son of man, ego, has a power to forgive sin. This is a principle that is so important that Jesus included it in the universally application, applicable Lord's Prayer. It's right in the Lord's Prayer. How shall we pray? He said, forgive me my debts, my offenses, as I forgive my debtors, those who have offended me. 
He further went on to say, if you forgive others their trespasses, their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. It's right in the Lord's Prayer. I say the Lord's Prayer every time I do a great side service because people know the prayer. But that's what that prayer means. So, Jesus went on to demonstrate this principle in the most extreme and horrific fashion possible as the story would go, which was the crucifixion. It was there that he graciously provided us with the, the great lesson of life. Father, please forgive them, for they know not what they do. Ultimately, we must come to the realization that the only place where we are not offended is in the kingdom of heaven. Then, wherever we are offended, we must be living in hell. That's what hell is, is living in our, 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 our triggers and our resentment and our anger and our judgment and our slights. Consequently, the only way out is up through the power of love expressed by forgiveness. Through the power of love expressed by forgiveness. There it is right there. So this is good news, isn't it? Because we can do all this. See, in the Q process, one of the first exercises we do is we decide who we're, we don't want to be. So what I'm going to do at every gathering from now on, because Dr. Gary Simmons recommends this, is to show up with my, please forgive me, please have compassion for me when I show up, because these are the things that I identified as a result of this process that I don't want to be, but they're part of what I bring with me. So please forgive me today, and I'm asking you this sincerely. I'm going to confess to you right here before God and Ernest Holmes and everybody. Please have compassion for me when I show up undeserving, fearful, rejected, hopeless, flawed, and living in lack. Please have compassion for me when I do that. Because I, sometimes I forget who I am. And so I'm asking you to partner with me when I show up that way and have compassion. And because this, this is who I've come here to be. See, this is the other side of the cue card. This is who I've come here to be. This is my roadmap. These are the values. These are the values that are important to me. So let me share this with you. I was only going to use this book at the second service, but it's just too juicy. There's a subtle art to not giving a darn. Okay? I'm going to use the D word instead of his word. And though the concept may sound ridiculous and I may sound like a, a jerk... See, I didn't even have to use bad words. You can fill it all in. Look how quick you are. What I'm talking about here is essentially learning how to focus and prioritize your thoughts effectively. Learning how to focus and prioritize your thoughts effectively. That's where the juice is, gang. I only have 2,000 bits at any one time that I can, can give my energy to. And I'm done giving my energy to stuff that I don't have any business giving it to. To focus and prioritize your thoughts effectively. How to pick and choose what matters to you and what does not matter to you to you based on finely honed personal values. Finely honed personal values. This is incredibly difficult. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, it is. It takes a lifetime of practice and discipline to achieve, and you will regularly fail. But it is perhaps the most worthy single uh, struggle one can undertake in one's life. It is perhaps the only struggle in one's life. I would agree. It's the most worthy thing we can do. And we've called this in, this genius of Gary Simmons into our, into our experience to help guide us and move us forward. So here's my qualities. This is who I have come here to be. And I'm adding to this all the time. I've come here to be love. I've come here to be wisdom. I've come here to be coherent, oneness. I've come here to be joyful. I've come here to be humorous. 
I've come here to be creative. I've come here to be whole. I've come here to be abundant. And see, I, though, that is what I value. These are what I value. I have thousands of choices who, who have come, I've come here to be. And so when I get offended, what my practice is is to go back and do my work. Because if it doesn't line up with these qualities, I, I call someone. I had an awareness yesterday as a result. This is my third time through the queue. I had this very painful memory that came up from my youth. And I went out and I said, Laura, I gotta talk to you about this. I gotta process this with someone. And I confessed. I said, I've never told anybody this. But this has driven me my whole life. And I don't want it dri- driven. And, and, and she held it for me as a practitioner. And we, we processed. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Because the way I was holding it was, and then I re-scripted it. Because that's what the Q asked us to do, re-script it. Can you see how this has come to help you wake up? My answer to that is yes. Thank you. Isn't it amazing how the infinite intelligence of the universe designed this? See, our offenses are here to wake us up. Not drive us into resignation and cynicism. And random acts of violence because we think that we're not connected. You You can't hurt somebody when you realize we're all one. You can get upset. And then you get a chance to go, wow, look at that. Look at look, wow, look. As my, my younger brother used to say, man, about my mom, our mom. Isn't it amazing how mad she got? <laughs> I always liked that. Because it kind of broke things. Broke the ice. Broke the, the tension. What slide do we have up there? Doc, consequently, the only way up. Okay, good. Thank you. I get rolling here and I forget sometimes. So, is this helpful? And thank you for being... Oh, thank you. We, we just gotta... We gotta just take these offenses and process them effectively. We just do. Because you can't make a life... Uh, journey of this you just can't and when people show up and they're not on their, the, the right side of their cue card to be able to lovingly say what's in this for you and not because we don't care I had, I had someone that left here six months ago and came in to see me last week and she said I was so pissed off at you I should have said he now you don't know who it was so he said I was so pissed off at you and I said well tell me more and, and she was going through her own process her own journey and I said, thank you for coming back and we can have this conversation. Thanks for coming back in the door because most people get offended and never come back. And I said, well, tell me more. I want to know more. And she said, when you said this and I was going through this and you said, well, I'll just... And my response when, when she told me it was happening was, well, I will proceed accordingly, which didn't sound loving to her. And I said, I get that. But I said, this was not my thing to heal. You're triggered. I said, get into the queue, which she did. Will she do the work? I don't know, but that's not my responsibility. But I can't do the healing. I wish I could. I'd have a machine back here, $29.95 once a week. We, we like the washing machine down in Abidjani with John of God. We wash your soul up for you. Can't do it. But I didn't say that for lack of compassion. It's years and years of experience to free someone to have their own experience and to say, I got your back. I want the best for you. I love you. I want you to live in freedom. 
And so I'm here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this the appropriate amount of energy because I know that you're on it. So we had this beautiful discussion. It wasn't for lack of caring. In this beautiful book by Mark Mason, he said, one of the biggest problems we have is people that care about everything and anything. We don't have the bandwidth for it. I don't. You know what I care about is my cue card, how I'm showing up. Because when I show up on my cue card, I can give my best. And I feel good about giving my best. Because, man, I've given my worst, and I don't feel good about it, and you don't either. So thank you for showing up. There's things for us to do in consciousness. And as we clear and, and stand more and more in that coherent field, everyone is blessed. Everyone is blessed, and we're giving birth to, to something that wants to be revealed here. And it's not, not taking good care of one another. We're here to take care of our children. We're here to honor women. This, this whole thing that's coming up, is, it's time for it to come up. And it's uncomfortable, and it's insoffensive. But we're here to take care of our sisters and our wives and our grandmothers and honor them. We're here to take care, and, and, and for men to step up and be conscious and awake and aware and love in a deeper way. That's what we're here about. And when we're living our best, when we're living in, in that beautiful artist relationship with spirit, we have the opportunity to do that. And if we don't, we don't. And then we get more of the same. And then we get frustrated. And then we go into resentment. There's no hope. There's no hope. I hear it all the time. Yes, there is hope. As long as we're still alive and still breathing and still thinking and choosing in healthy ways, there is hope. So hallelujah. God bless you. I'll, I'll see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>